0: This is the Nearside Low Podcast, brought to you by Missouri Water Polo. For all highlights, scores, and updates, please visit www.mowaterpolo.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes, and follow us on Twitter at Nearside Low. And here we are, the Nearside Low Podcast, with Charlie and Ray are back, folks, and we know that you missed us, and you're probably looking at your phone right now going, whoa, a new podcast just popped up. I had no <laughs> idea. Um, well, it is uh, mid-November. We're rolling up into Thanksgiving, um, and we thought we would uh, we bring you one here. So we've got two guests um, that we have on, and the first guest is Ray.
1: Take it away. So yeah, we invited two people on. Jason Grubb is our first guest. He's a, a water polo coach at North Penn High School in Uh, in Pennsylvania, just outside Philadelphia. And uh, second one will be Sean Stringham. Uh, He is a coach from Olympus Water Polo in Salt Lake City, Utah. So uh, both these coaches we invited on because um, they were able to play water polo uh, this fall, talking about uh, Pennsylvania High School water polo. And then uh, in Utah, they just conducted an awesome tournament um, with some really great uh, mitigation strategies for COVID. And uh, we, just with, I, I know, particularly here in our St. Louis area in the Midwest, we're really struggling right now to come up with protocols and figure out what what works. And I've, I was really impressed by both these individuals and what they've been able to accomplish in their respective areas and thought it would be um, helpful to uh, pass along some of their knowledge to um, all our listeners.
0: And folks, this was Ray's baby. He put it together and, you know, I'm just the comic relief, I guess, but it's a great it's a great podcast. Both of these gentlemen had some awesome things to say. It was interesting to hear different perspectives on stuff and, uh, you know, we want to send out the bat signal to other coaches and teams out there um, that maybe aren't Missouri-based. Um, if you guys have experiences, hosted tournaments, or have had high school seasons and um, you want to add something, feel free to tweet at us or shoot us an email um, because we'd love, to, we'd love to talk about uh, maybe what you did.
1: Coach said, I mean, it, we'd really like to learn. I, I think the, the more we know about what's worked can uh, help us make sure that we're able to play water polo and be safe um, wherever we are throughout the country. Obviously, what works in one area of the country may not necessarily work in other areas. And Certain areas of the country has have more COVID than other areas, although it's, it's certainly rising all over the place right now, so um, we're hoping to use this as an educational tool just so that other teams can can learn. And in the interim, uh, we hope to come back next week and, and maybe do another podcast just um, talking about some of our, re- our reflections from some of these interviews. And if um, anyone else can tweet at us, um, we'd love to reach out to you as well and get get your input on how things are going. But um, in the interim, please keep wearing masks, social distance, and uh, let's try and make sure that our water polo community is trying to mitigate the spread of COVID as much, much as we can. This is Charlie. This is Ray. And we are signing off.
0: Here we are. Uh, Welcome, Ray. We are here with Coach Jason Grubb, who hails from out east uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, Coach, welcome. Thanks, guys, for having me. Uh, Ray, why don't you take the lead?
1: Yeah, so, Coach, can you just tell us a little bit about uh, yourself, how you got into water polo, and uh, a little bit about water polo in Pennsylvania?
2: Um, for Pennsylvania, I grew up, I was in high school in the nineties and like most of us in our area, it was, we were on the swim team and then all of a sudden they said, here's water polo and try it out because this is your preseason for swimming. Uh Um, starting from that, once I found water polo was in more lines of, okay, I'm not a huge swimmer. And now that you're giving me a ball and I can have a physical sport, uh, this is the way to go for me. Um, so I graduated in 2000 from high school. And then in 2001, I was still in the area. And that's when I started my coaching career at the age of 19.
0: Obviously kind of got into it through swimming. What is the, what's the high school scene like there? Are there are there
2: 15 teams,
0: 30 teams? Like uh, what's the club scene like? Can you give us a little overview of some of that?
2: So Pennsylvania is more on the high school side compared to the club side. Um, there is about 30 teams in our state. But right. uh, maybe it's somewhere around 24 public schools and about six private schools. Um, off of that, into our club season, there are, I think, uh, three or four joint clubs through our state. And then there's a few schools like North Penn where we do take outside kids but the majority of our club team is made up of our school district as well.
0: And are you got you guys are all close enough to compete against each other then during the regular season or are the teams pretty pretty spread out as far as across the state?
2: In my area cuz we're right outside Philadelphia, it's yeah. everything's pretty close. So within our area there's a good 20 some teams within an hour range. And then our western side has some pretty good teams out in the Pittsburgh area and the Erie area that we do get to play a couple times throughout the year. All right. And what is the,
0: uh, what we always like to know, what's the swimming pool scene like? Are we six lane shallow deep or do we have beautiful all deep facilities or is it kind of a little bit of both?
2: Thankfully (laughs) now in in our area, right in our district, in our neighboring districts, we are extremely lucky. I have an eight lane all deep pool and in our league of now five teams, only one is shallow deep. So we now have pretty much all our 25 by 20 all deep pools and we get to actually play real water bowl. (laughs) Okay.
0: And and so you mentioned right. It sounds like right after you graduated high school, you started. I mean, in 2001, you said you started your coaching career. So were you an assistant at the high school level? Were you what were you doing exactly? And then kind of how did that morph into what you're up to today?
2: Yeah, I I started as assistant. Um, The head coach at the time was the assistant coach when I played he went through one assistant pretty quickly and then his brother who was a good friend of mine said hey you're still in the area do you think you want to help out and i had no plans of getting back into the sport and i did it for a year and absolutely loved it and i just just finished up my 20th year now at the school
1: oh wow well
2: congrats that's great
1: normally in pennsylvania uh both boys and girls high school polo is in the fall is that correct It's all at the same time. Yeah. 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 Which I'm sure makes for it makes for a busy time for you. Uh, Yeah, it is. (laughs) So can you talk a little bit about uh, just going into this fall, how it was a little bit different than normal and and how you guys approached this fall with the COVID concerns?
2: Um, It was extremely difficult to even get started. Our stage started off with a two week delay. So we weren't even quite sure if we would, and then PIAA came out with the delays to see if they can open up. And then each district was different. So there was a state mandate saying we can have a season, but then each school district was either opting in or opting out of whether they wanted to play or not. And um, my district was a little bit more strict than most, so it was a little touch and go whether we'd be even allowed to participate I think we were one of the last school districts in the state to say that we could start, and that was even with no pool. So we weren't able to get inside to our own pool for about a month before we actually played games.
0: Prior to us recording here, you were kind of talking about what you said to the what what you said to the team, kind of as the season was beginning and stuff. You want to? I, I thought that was good stuff, and we didn't get it. I want you to kind of reiterate it. What was the conversation like with the team when? things kind of started to loosen up a little bit and you guys
2: actually got to practice. We were very honest with all the kids and saying that what is happening today, that might change tomorrow. So you got to make the most of what is happening right now. If they say we can have games, that's great. Uh, They started off with limited benches. So we could only have 10 athletes to start our games, which we had to really scale back. And then they started opening up more and more. And we kept stressing to the kids at all times of, please do your best to mitigate anything on the outside end. Please keep your bubbles extremely small. Try to keep our team bubble pretty small. And that way we can continue to move forward and hopefully open up more and more as the season progressed, which luckily it did.
1: So when did you guys get back into the
2: water? So we were fairly lucky that we were able to have preseason club in the summer. We had a couple of summer clubs that actually opened up. So we were running club practices that were joint swimming and water polo throughout the summer and then once that season actually started they gave us the two-week delay the season was supposed to start on august 17th i think we ended up opening up right at the beginning of september to have our first actual practices and that's when everything was different for each team in the state so we started our practices we were still zero contact we were in very small pods i had pods of 10 we were running more like station-based practices where we'd have groups of 10 kind of rotating through different stations to, to basically just keep us in shape. And then we we got our scrimmage schedule that said we're starting on uh, September 12th. And that was September 11th. My AD said, hey, you guys can actually have physical contact. And that was the first time that we had balls or contact was the day before our first scrimmages, about a week before our first game.
1: Were there any particular mitigation strategies you guys were using in Pennsylvania, like testing athletes, doing anything just to make sure that um, the kids were safe when they were playing games?
2: Uh, There was no testing that had to be done. All the athletic directors and then all the athletic trainers were signing off on whether teams were screened. Every team had a screening process they had to go through. So we had our list of questions we had to give our kids. They had to get their temperature checked every time they came into a practice. If there were a certain temperature, they would be sent home. Um, And that was kind of where we just kind of started with, with temperature checks and questions, hand sanitizers before we started. But then you're jumping into a chlorine pool. So that kind (laughs) of
1: kills everything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Did you or any of the other teams in Pennsylvania run into problems where you had to cancel games or uh, athletes were um, sent home or, or developed COVID at any point?
2: We were fairly lucky on our side of state. Our, our state is split up into three sections, east, central, and west. The east section is basically just our league, which is within a, a pretty small bubble of like maybe 15 miles. Um, so we only started the season off playing each other. We weren't allowed to play any outside games. I know the central and west, they had some crossover. They were allowed to do that. Um, so we, we, we kept it just within that group. And then eventually it opened up to us playing. We could actually go into a playoff. And there were some teams throughout the state that did get shut down. Um, For our girls, once we were allowed to do an end-of-the-season tournament, our quarterfinal game was almost uh, canceled. The team that won their playing game ended up getting shut down that week. The team that lost actually got the bump to play us in our quarterfinals.
0: I totally glossed over. What, What high school are you at?
2: Oh, uh, we're at North, right North Penn High School. North Penn.
0: All right. Well, we want to send a shout out to them. So if those kids, you know, they want to listen. but And you yeah. coach both the boys and the girls, yes? Yes, I am both. So it sounded like the girls made it to the end of the season. Did the boys make it to the end of the season?
2: Yes? Uh, both teams made it to, the, uh, to our final, yep. Oh, wow. They, okay. They both lost, unfortunately, by one, which is our first well, loss. Well, we yeah. well <laughs>
0: coach, you know what? If you got two teams to the finals, it's, uh, <laughs> it is nothing to hang your head about. <laughs>
1: Particularly with this year, I mean, I, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm impressed with, I mean, with all these teams that are playing and being able to do do things just with all the complications with this year. So obviously, there's other sports going on at your schools and other schools in Pennsylvania this time during the fall. Were uh, you experiencing similar um, challenges as some of those sports? Were uh, some of those sports having to be shut down? What what kind of conversations were going on within the athletic
2: departments um, in your area? You could tell more with the football you could see quite a few games have been canceled. We were a little bit different where we allowed the, the one team to get the bump, even though they lost. There's been a lot of state district playoff games for football that if a team gets shut down, well, that's a buy for that one team. And you could see it a little bit more. We've seen a few throughout the state get shut down that way for the football. And I think soccer's still going on right now. And I think I've seen a few happen that way as well.
0: So as we roll into winter, is that a swim season, or are you guys off right now? Like, what's the what's the continuity? Is there club
2: polo going on, or there's not a ton of club polo in the uh, in the winter. We'll start back up usually in January when the age group then starts, and uh, high school swim season ends in March, and that's kind okay. of when we we open more back up for our school. We try to keep that balance. The majority of our kids are dual athletes. And then we're we're very lucky where the swim coach is my assistant and then I am his assistant for swim season. So we we really try to keep that balance to not really anger either one of each other, to <laughs> make sure that the kids are getting the best experience that they possibly can. And both our swim and polo programs have been very good throughout the years. So that balance has really benefited. Yeah,
0: So uh, looking back on the season, was it worth it, like the wait? And I mean, did you feel like the competitions were good and like you were happy with everything that eventually happened?
2: The fact that we're in the water is awesome. Just to have the kids actually get in. We've had a few kids that do want to play at the next level. So getting in that season, whether it's junior or senior year, was huge. To not have that going into recruiting years, that would be extremely tough. The fact that we're in was great. I mean, I, I love the fact that my kids were able to progress to the end of the year to get to the finals. I mean, for the for us this year, that was a big ac- accomplishment for those kids. Would we do it again? Hell yeah! <laughs> Make sure we're in the water as much as possible. Were they the cleanest games in the world? There was a lot of high scoring. Games. Defense in the beginning of the year was was an <laughs> issue for pretty much everybody. Um, you can see most of the games are like sixteen to fourteen. Uh, we actually had a playing game with our boys to de- decide who was the number one for our conference, and we ended up losing eight to seven in overtime. And our uh, head of, head official came over and said, thank you for playing defense. We yeah. haven't <laughs> any defense really at all this year. God. It's been a lot of goals, a lot of goals. So so
1: looking back, I mean, do you have any suggestions for other coaches or other, um, other places trying to play water polo across the country? I mean, what, what helped you? and getting your season to work, getting your athletes um, engaged, uh, making sure that you are able to get as much out of the season
2: as you could? I say just start with, with what you have and what you're allowed to do. I mean, if it's, if it's minimal, well, you're in the water. We didn't have a pool for our first basically month. We were outside in a non-heated pool, which most years would have been awesome because it's typically hot the end of August into September this year it was about 65 degrees every day nice breeze the coaches were really comfortable the kids were miserable. so that worked out for us as coaches not so much the athletes um but we were willing to do whatever that they were allowing us to do and then even now as you said we're into swim season so we just started on Monday with our first swim practice our county is now shutting down for two weeks starting on Monday. So we that's the same kind of part with the kids. They're like, hey, we don't know when we have it. So when we have it, you guys got to work and you got to be ready to make the best of this situation.
0: Uh, Ray, you got anything else? I don't. I do not. All right, Coach Grubb, we really appreciate you coming on with us. And,
2: uh, yeah, thank you for talking to us. And yeah, Thanks so much for having me, and best of luck of trying to get a season. And anyone out there, play. Play. <laughs> if you're allowed to play. Play.
0: And here we are, nearside low podcast with Coach Sean from out west in Utah. Coach, welcome.
3: Thank you for having us. Appreciate it. It's a little bit strange to be called out west. Usually, out west is ah. like California. Like <laughs> we're usually the eastern team, right? The eastern seaboard. But you know, I guess uh, I guess that counts from coming from St. Louis. Right,
1: right. So uh, Sean, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, um, how you got into water polo, and then talk a little bit about water polo in Utah.
3: You bet. So uh, I have been involved in water polo since my ninth grade year. I came into water polo from uh, a swim coach. Uh, I was cut from the baseball team, last kid cut from the baseball team my freshman year in high school, was devastated, knew for sure I was going to play in the major leagues. Uh, That dream was dashed. Uh, I had a swim coach that said, you should you took swim lessons in the summertime. You should come swim, you can probably throw the ball pretty well as a baseball player. And uh, I came in. I loved it. Long story short, like my sophomore year, I was playing uh, with the uh, with the varsity squad at that point. and uh, I remember very vividly putting up three goals, three of our only goals against one of the best teams in the state and realizing like, okay, this is my gig. I'm gonna do this. And so um, <clears throat> from there, played through high school, was gonna go play in college, uh, decided to go ski at Utah State instead of playing water polo in California. Uh, so that was uh, also a great experience for me. And uh, came out of, came back to Salt Lake City after skiing for a couple years. And that same coach invited me to come back and coach for a couple of years, um, which I did, which was fantastic at East High School here in Salt Lake City the same East High School as High School Musical, so claim to fame there as well. Yeah, fun facts. <laughs> yeah, fun facts by Coach Sean, and uh, started my family after shortly after that, and then from there took about 12 years off, came back to it when my kids, my oldest son, Jonas, was uh, just starting in the seventh grade and got involved in my local high school, and from there uh, started coaching. At that time, there were about eight kids playing uh, for Olympus high school uh, and they were terrible and they can admit freely admit that they're terrible. They know that they know that. Uh, And in the past 10 years, we've grown it from those eight athletes to about 130 athletes. Um, And we've got last year we took in 2019, I should say, ended up taking about uh, six teams to junior Olympics and have really grown the program to where we've gotten several kids that have gone on to qualify for NTSC through JOs and really just tried to develop the program quite a bit. And so um, it's it's been great to see the growth of water polo in Utah. We have 22 clubs that are playing in Utah from northern Utah down to southern Utah. Um, and we've done a lot of work over the last, I would say, five or six years to really develop youth water polo, the 14 and under scene, because we know that that will grow into solid high school and club uh, water polo. So
0: what is, so this, uh, your career was all Utah based, yes? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, what is the, you know, 22 clubs? What is the actual, what's the high school scene like? Is there a high school season? Are there 22, 30 teams? I mean, what, what does that look like? Boys and girls or?
3: So uh, water polo is not a sanctioned sport in Utah. Right. Um, so it is a club sport. We have a spring season that has been, tri- we have had wa- high school quote unquote water polo for about 35 years here in Utah. Um, and like I said, there's, there's 22, 23 clubs that are playing and filled boys and girls high school teams. Some, and some come and some go on a year-to-year basis, but it's a pretty solid group. Uh, we're working with our Utah board right now uh, to try to move that into a fall strict high school where you play for the high school you attend, mm-hmm. where right now it's a little bit more of a – it's a, it's a more of a um, – crossover where kids can kind of play and choose but they're technically it's technically a club sport but we're right so then
0: of the of the hundred kids that you've got on your your club they they come from a variety of of high schools in and around that area yes yeah so okay. so those
3: kids so those kids are age you know seven to 18 right um and we've probably right now we're, it's we're pretty olympus focused we've got two or three other high schools that join us and kids that join us um and with 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 the intent of, as we build out the high school part for them to go play for their own high school, but we keep them and want them to stay involved on team. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. Definitely. Football.
1: Definitely. All right. And with, with Olympus, you're primarily Salt Lake city. Is that correct? correct.
3: Yeah. Okay. Olympus high Olympus. We're based out of Olympus high school. Uh, we're right here in Salt Lake city and, um, you know, right, right at the foot of the mountains.
1: Awesome. So with the club season, which sounds like primarily would be going on in summer and, fall. Can you tell us a little bit about what was going on in Utah um, during that time when you guys were able to get in the pools, what you were able to do?
3: Yeah. For this past summer, is that your time?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So um, we, just like everyone else, uh, March 13th was an ominous day. I mean, we shut down everything. And so from there we lost, we were right in the middle or two weeks into our spring season, which is one of the biggest seasons for us from a water polo standpoint. So we had to put that on hold. We, were, we didn't do anything in the water um, at that point until June. So June 1st, Utah opened up and allowed us to essentially create um, uh, opportunities to get in and swim. And so we had to social distance and wear masks and do temperatures and sanitize and do all of that on deck. But then when we were allowed to get in the water and to go back and forth. So we spent all of June swimming Uh, just heads down, goggles on, six per lane, uh, three on each side so that we were to uh, limit contact as much as possible. And then in July, we were able to move to uh, tactical and technical skills, water polo skills. We were allowed to use balls. We were allowed allowed to pass. Um, And then that set us up into where we were able to get sanctioned to run uh, a league. We ran our fall league that – uh, is sponsored by one of our local teams, uh, the Kearns Oker Park Fitness Center. And so we were able to run our traditional fall league, which started the uh, last weekend in August or last week in August. And so we had 10 and under, 12 and under, 14 and under, 18 and under uh, playing as a, um, starting at the end of August. And so we ran that season through uh, Halloween.
0: So did you feel like, uh, you know, starting in June, you just mentioned, I mean, all you guys were really able to do was swim. I mean, and then rolling into July, did you feel like numbers dropped off a little bit or were you, was it what you felt like kids were kind of still chopping at the bit and they were, they were totally. willing to take whatever they could get?
3: Totally. Kids were still absolutely there. We picked up a couple of kids. Um, yeah. I mean, in terms of our overall club percentage, I mean, we were probably at like 95% of where we were right. the spring. So the kids were super involved. Parents were excited to get, I mean, they they just wanted to participate, right? I mean, Something they right. they felt, it felt safe. Um, and, and, and that's one of the, like the take home messages from a big picture standpoint is that we've been running from June until now, November, middle of November, and there has been zero COVID transmission in the water, right? Or team to team or club to club. There are athletes who have picked up from family or community events right. type thing, but there has not been any transition because they're in the water, right? And they're in the chlorine and we're, and we're very serious about, uh, you know, the mitigation strategies that we have in place. Um, but we've, it's, we've really kind of built that foundation of like, okay, this is okay.
1: Could, and can you talk a little bit about some of those mitigation strategies you guys have been using?
3: Sure. Like I said, um, what the state of Utah has essentially allowed us that once those kids are in the water, uh, that we can run a practice, either a swim or water polo practice, as we choose. Um, we're lucky enough that we, uh, we rent our pool from the school district, uh, Granite School District, and they've supported us in that. And so uh, on deck, like, w- we take temperatures of everyone as they're coming in. We ask them to sanitize. They're wearing a mask until they're ready to get in the water. They're tr- we're working as much as we possibly can with teenagers to so- social distance, We're constantly reminding them to stay separate. Um, Once we got into games and with the league, um, we didn't exchange sides. There were no high fives. There were no fist bumps. We literally tried to stay in our little team bubbles as much as possible. And that's one of the things that we talked about with our kids all summer long and all fall long. It was like, if you want to play water polo, this team is your friends don't don't go don't go outside of this right if you go outside and hang out with your buddies and make bad choices you will have consequences and there were kids that 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 happened right where they went out they weren't as smart as they could have been they picked it up and they were quarantined for two weeks and they missed games and they missed the opportunity to play so
1: so a couple a couple additional questions so you you mentioned that a couple kids did pick up covid at at some point not associated with water polo but with other activities did uh, were there any kids that by that fact needed to be quarantined um, just from their interactions during yeah. water polo or okay not it, well, but, not, not the, from
3: their inter, no one had to be quarantined because of their interactions for water polo. Okay. Um, but that they had if they were tested, we did and we but we did have kids playing water polo quarantined because they were next to someone in school. In Utah, we moved kids back to in-person school. Uh, at the start of the school year. And so if someone with a known COVID case, uh, with contact tracing, they came back, if they were within the, the radius of that athlete, they, did have, they have had to quarantine. And so there were a couple of times where like, we lost a couple of athletes who were in quarantine, ended up not having COVID, um, but weren't able to participate. And had to go online school from there.
1: Were there any cases you know of, so I mean, the CDC is saying like 48 hours um, before either becoming symptomatic or testing positive, you can potentially transmit disease. Were there any cases you know know of in Utah where um, where an, an athlete was playing within that window um, and players may or may not have needed to be not quarantined? Not that I'm aware no? of.
3: Okay. Yeah, okay. not that I'm aware of. Awesome.
1: awesome. Okay. All right. So uh, so one, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on Really impressed by the Salty Splash uh, tournament that you guys had this fall. Can you talk a little bit about that tournament?
3: Yeah, for sure. So um, I have wanted to run a high-level tournament for years uh, here in Salt Lake City, and one of my uh, motives and goals for that is that I wanted I want teams from California and Texas and Colorado and other high-level teams to come to Utah to play water polo, so that as our skill level has gone up and has uh, continued to rise, that we have, don't always have to go to California to get game, great games, right? And so um, when JOs was canceled, I felt like it was a pretty good opportunity. We had been running the fall league um, successfully. We had the COVID protocols in place, and I thought time to give it a shot. And so uh, at that time, I... I uh, reached out and connected with as many ho- coaches as I possibly could and said, hey, we're going to be running a tournament in Utah November 5th through 7th. We have a very, we have a very uh, robust COVID policy, and uh, are you interested? And I probably reached out to 50 clubs. I essentially went through the list of teams and clubs and sent emails out to them and kind of giving them an invitation uh, and uh, obviously our local teams here as well. And, you know, in the end, we ended up having, uh, it's strangely the same number, 23 clubs from, uh, from across the United States that came to Utah and Salt Lake over that time frame. We ended up with 44 teams um, and we had some very, very high level water polo. Like, I, f- I feel like we had like 10 or 15 of the top 25 clubs in the nation come to, the, come to Utah and play. So
0: where were you? So I mean, obviously Utah-based teams, some California-based teams. What other? Were there any other states? Yeah, that...
3: we had we had one from Texas. Zilla came from Texas. Uh, Rocky Mountain Neptunes and uh, Colorado Water Polo came from Colorado. Um, we had three three clubs: Park City, Kearns, and Olympus from Utah, and then the remaining were from California that came in. Wow.
0: So how many pools were you guys juggling to run all this? And what was?
3: Yeah. So we did. We had five pools. Um, five pools, and we had, in the course of the three days, 115 games uh, that we participated in. So we did an 18U men, which ended up with 11 teams in that. The 18U women just, like, wouldn't stop. We had 16 teams in the (laughs) 18U women that came in. Uh, 14U women, girls, we had five teams. Uh, 14U boys, we had seven teams. And the 12U mixed, we had... Um, five teams as well. So what was really interesting as the as I was as the tournament was being put together, like um, all of the, my original intent was to have per division, like eight teams 18U eight for each of the 18U, and then it's like all of a sudden, like this tidal wave of team of interest came up, especially in the 18U women of like, man, we um, we want to come play, we're ready to come play, and so you know we had like a little mini. JOs in, in for the 18 I mean, u it women and 18 like yeah. men, right? You know, so like when you have Los Alamitos and North Irvine playing in the championship game, you kind of look over the JOs results and go, okay, yep, that's the same. <laughs> 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 so that was really cool, you know, to see all of those. And uh, teams like Agora and Bulldog, Pretoria, uh, Vanguard, La Jolla, Seaside, like, I mean, really great teams. And it was really fun to in the end, the best part is to be able to build relationships with those clubs. And they were, all, they've all been super, uh, gracious and like, Hey, let us know when you want to do, it. we'll come back to Utah to play again anytime. So, and in the end, that's kind of what I was hoping for is to build that relationship and, and, uh, give an opportunity for kids to play.
1: And that's awesome how you're able to get so many teams. One of the things that I was really impressed by was your, your COVID policy for the tournament, which I think is, I mean, What you set up was, I mean, (laughs) comparable to, I mean, some of the best, I mean, sports um, and highest levels in the country. I mean, just with um, this tournament was in early November. um, And um, could you talk a little bit about um, about your policies? I mean, just in brief, I mean, they had had a negative test before they showed up. You had testing while you were there. Can you talk a little bit about that? For sure.
3: Yeah. So I love sports top to bottom. I don't care about the sports. So I listen and watch about sports a lot. So lots of, I, I read a ton as much as I could about the major league baseball bubble, about the NBA bubble, about the tour de France bubble of all of those different ways that people are trying to secure sa- a safe environment for the athletes. And to me, like running the tournament, that was the highest priority of like, we have to find a way for athletes and parents and coaches and officials and table workers to feel like, I can participate and this can be safe. And so that was the overriding influence and also recognizing that we had, you know, 10 weeks of data, quote unquote, from the league to see that there was no very little to know. I mean, I would say there's no um, in pool spread of this. And so um, as as I crafted this, it was simple of like, okay, uh, everyone's going to need to have a test before they come to Utah, right? We're asking people uh, before they travel to get a negative PCR test uh, at their own expense to be able to do that. And no one really even blinked an eye at that. They said, okay, yep, happy to do it. And so they, on their own, had to go get that PCR test. And then when they traveled to Salt Lake, when we got here, we had, we had them um, come in as teams so that we could keep them in their own individual group bubble as much as possible. And then we did a rapid response test um, at check-in. So the tournament started Thursday. We did local teams Wednesday night, and then most everyone else Thursday morning before games started at three o'clock on Thursday afternoon. So we ended up testing 591 individuals in.
0: Wow, well, good in, for you guys, uh, and, <laughs> is...
3: um, and so we had a great partner with a uh, local lab uh, that was willing to do that. And then it was, I mean, we were able really to test all of the different protocols and policies in place. Uh, we, of those 591, we had four athletes, one coach and one official, one referee that had a positive test, uh, at which point then we had a uh, lab lined up to do a PCR test right there. And they essentially held one of their batches for us so that, they could get the PCR test, get it, and we were and we're getting results PCR results in six to eight hours. So they were wow. not allowed to play that night, uh, Thursday night, like the first game. But I think like 11 o'clock at night, we got results, and all of those athletes tested negative. So of the 591, they all were allowed. They were all able to play. So that was that was really pretty exciting um, to be able to get through that and see and kind of do a stress test on the system to see if it worked. You know what I mean? And see how it worked out.
1: That's a, That is impressive. Impressive. Thank so. You. So. So, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm here <laughs> for some of that stuff. I mean, that's that's pretty incredible. So, um, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm very impressed. So can you, can you talk? So. So of those five ninety one. So no one need to be excluded from playing. Is that correct?
3: Correct. No, wow. the no, no coaches, no officials, no athletes were excluded from playing.
1: Wow. Okay. And so, uh, so then it sounds like tournament went well. What, what was your input from other coaches about how 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 that design was set up? If they had any problems getting testing and any any, and I I know um, were there any teams back out before the tournament came just because they saw positive tests during their initial testing?
3: No one backed out. Um, no one backed out because of testing. Uh, like I said, there. I mean, the 14U, the 14U boys and girls, the 12U, all fluxed from anywhere between 10 to five teams in the last two weeks. So that was that was really the the hardest part of like, hey, we're in, we're super psyched. The conversation would go like, coach calls, we're totally in, we're ready to go, we're gonna bring four teams. Okay, great, I'll I'll lock you in. Good, you sure you're confirmed? Yes okay, two days later, I can only do one team because the parents are freaking out, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fine. So I had that conversation no less than 257,000 times, it felt like, right? It was just like <laughs> over and over and over again. Like the tournament's full, the tournament's not full. The tournament's full here, but it's not full there. And like the schedule, the game schedule, trying to get everything in place. I mean, I honestly, I had a, I did have a 14U girls team tournament starts on Thursday that dropped out Wednesday at two o'clock. They, they, the parents just weren't comfortable. And so the night before the tournament Thursday night, literally I was th- finished the schedule at two thirty in the morning, uh, sent it out. And that's when the schedule was quote unquote final was like seven hours before the tournament was ready to start. <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: So what is what's next? Tournament's over. Are You guys like? Are we still practicing? You taking time off, or, or? And I know here in St. Louis, things are kind of starting to ramp up, and things are starting to shut down again. Is that is that happening in Utah? Where do you th- see things in the next month or so?
3: Yeah. So over the next month, we we uh, Olympus has taken uh, we're we're ten days off. Um, we've fully planned to get back into our practice plan. Uh, one of the interesting points to the story is that um so the tournament finishes saturday november 7th that night or excuse me the following night sunday november 8th uh our governor governor herbert calls an an emergency like press conference like at nine thirty at night on a sunday night and comes on and essentially says we are going to put a two-week hold on all sporting events in utah so like, within 24 hours of the tournament ending, we're essentially put into a two-week, Ugh. all all high school sports are going to be on hold, we're going to put a hold on uh, practice, we're going to put a hold on games, and, like, had that come 24 hours earlier, we wouldn't have been able to do our last day of games. Or, like, if the tournament was the week after instead of the week that it right. was, like, right. I'm having a totally different conversation <laughs> with our teams, and so... You know the fa- and it's probably it's probably a, a super safe thing to do um, and so right now everyone's just kind of like chilling trying to get they're trying to get the uh, numbers back under control here in Utah there was there has been a spike of cases here just like they have been all across the country um, and so they're working to they're working to make those changes you know I mean I think having the tournament the the week after after like the few days after the election. And like, you know, there were some political things that elements in there that it just slid right in there and worked out. So
0: my my understanding from Ray, you're pretty connected with USA water polo. Is this something you think that maybe, you know, obviously JOS got bumped to December and then got canceled again. It did. Did anybody kind of look at your protocol and go, huh, maybe this is something we could, we could try.
3: Um, I, yeah, I mean, I've had that conversation, uh, you know, I haven't had it after the, con- after right. the tournament yet with them. Um, but I think it's definitely something that's replicable, right? I mean, there's no question that, um, all, all of the relationships are in place. I mean, we have, we have 600 test cases. Um, I think that that's an, that's a great question, right? I mean, I know USA water polo has the, uh, great intent for the athletes um Mm -hmm. and and working with the leadership there they were super supportive and i think that they were probably watching what happened in utah and probably texas that happened at the texas cup challenge just to see what are ways that we can move forward as a sport right Mm um i mean I'm, I'm still like with the relationships with my California coach friends now, like I'm still getting text messages and exchange text messages almost every day of coaches like, ah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure it's going to happen in California. You know what I mean? I think it's just, just the way it's going to happen, where it's going to be. And so, you know, if it's more of a regional approach to JOs where you can host, I mean, I don't, I don't have 60 all deep pool, 50 meter pools in Utah, Right, 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 right? Right. Uh, But between Texas and between Utah and Florida and maybe other places that uh, have the will to have athletes playing and participate, I mean, I think there's some potentially cool, potentially cool ways that we could get playing. Um, And I think it's great for the sport to diversify where it's playing a little bit. You know,
0: I agree. I agree. Well, and I mean, you obviously you had a great model, you know, and it's something, that you know, other areas could probably try and mimic. Um, And it sounds like it was pretty successful. So. I don't know, right? Maybe maybe we need to have you uh, running the uh, Missouri Water Polo Tournament at the end of the year. <laughs> yeah, right. I have to get some
1: access to some tests. So, um, hey,
3: you know, and and like put this out there. I'm happy to talk to anyone, right? I mean, ultimately in the end, I want to see kids playing water polo, and I want to grow the sport. That's one of my key things that I've really. Uh, my role on the board in the Utah Water Polo Association is sport growth, and so. Uh, I, I want to. It's such a great sport. And I think that all I'm doing is, you know, I'm, I listen to your guys' podcasts every time you guys drop an episode. Oh, wow. I'm listening I, I, to I, I'm Steve honored. Carrera. Yeah. I mean, Carrera, like, yeah, I, know, okay. I know all about, like, Dave Miller. And like, <laughs> like I've very specific memories of listening to the all nineties and all two oh, thousands team as I was doing my yard work, you know, like we didn't I know pay him to say St. this. <laughs> yeah. I know what's up in St. Louis. Right. And so it's just fascinating to me to see how, I think that's something that different communities. One thing that I think COVID has taught us that our little communities can communicate with each other, right. And figure out how to best support each other because it's, what's happening in Utah can transfer to what's happening in St. Louis and Missouri and vice versa. And what's happening in Texas, right. And what's happening in Florida and what's happening in California. So.
1: Love that message. So as we, as we, I guess, get ready to wrap up, um, I mean, we're here in the Midwest, but areas across the country are are struggling to figure out how to get back to playing water polo. Um, what are your suggestions for them? What have you found works well with, with your athletes and, um, for someone trying to decide what, how they should approach things, what what would you say?
3: So, I mean, I think the number one thing, every decision has to be led with, is this safe for my athlete, right? It w- What what are the underlying safety ramifications for my athlete? And honestly, like me personally, this is just the world according to me. Like I have five kids and four of them are currently active playing water polo. They have all played water polo either and now are either coaching or or actively participating. And it's like, do I feel safe putting my kid in that situation? Right. Um, and I think that I clearly now am a fan of testing. Like, I think looking at, uh, the, looking at what they're doing at, like I mentioned, like in the NBA and major league baseball, um, I think the mental health, um, the mental health issues that come along with just sitting and not doing anything are more damaging potentially than the virus and that the virus can be mitigated. Right. I'm, I think that the virus is very dangerous. Um, But if we have to mitigate the playing opportunities for the kids to be able to continue to play and to come to continue to do it because online school and all of that is additional stress. I come from a professional background of wellness and mental health. And uh, that was it's just one of the key driving forces like, are the kids safe and am I going to put my kid there and have them play, right? And so being able to test um, is just a budget item, right? You, it, it is something and I think that it's something that there's from a corporate sponsorship standpoint or ways that if we think strategically about it, that we can get access to more testing. It's not just uh, Pac-12 and it's not just the Big Ten and it's not just the big football conferences they can test on a regular basis to be able to create bubbles, uh, for people to play in. And so I, I personally, that's where I come from is like, I expect to continue to push to keep kids in the water and the ability to have them be in place where you're testing on a regular basis, um, is important.
0: It needs to be a balance. I totally agree. And, uh, I'm I'm curious to see, uh, our club season starts. I mean, I I think it started Sunday, but, Things are kind of going on more lockdown here, and so I'm curious to see how long that's going to last. And then our high school season is, you know, what, last week of February, I think, is when it starts. And we, kind of like you guys, we lost our high school season. Yeah. What, Ray, three weeks last year? Yeah. Um,
3: Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. I don't have anything else. Ray, you got anything? I don't. All right, Coach Sean, we appreciate you coming on, and uh, we wish you the best.
3: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.